Do you love to read but struggle to see print? Bookshare is a nonprofit ebook library that makes reading easier for people with low vision or blindness. Members can read in ways that work for them with ebooks in audio, large print, and digital braille. Get unlimited access to over 1 million titles, including New York Times bestsellers, periodicals, upskilling books, and more. Bookshare is free for New York Public Library patrons or U.S. students with a qualifying disability. For more information, visit Bookshare.org today. The opinions expressed on the ACB Media Network are those of the content providers and should not be viewed as an endorsement of any product or service. Nor does it reflect the views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. And here Good we evening. are with Tuesday Topics, Paul. Once we again. are. We are, Mr. Brian. So Tuesday you believe Topics. That we did not discuss who was going to take the lead in this it shows so we <laughs> so we both did yeah, so we just very no, good that was cool but but I, well, I thought we did it very well together next time next time we'll practice the first line yes perfect <laughs> karaoke <laughs> harmony we'll, we'll invite marianne to be a part of it. maybe we should all open the next show we can do the old hello 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 <laughs> Exactly. As long as you go up in thirds. <laughs> exactly. When and see and see, Larry is a is is a is a barber shot quartetter. So yeah, that's right. Yeah, I'd have to give it a little practice. Yep, that's right. Singing, singing at, at what part? Well, uh, the lead or melody line for the most part. I'm a natural baritone and sometimes a bass if I have a cold in the early morning. <laughs> there we go god i remember the year in junior high when i went from being a second soprano to being being a baritone and just one easy lesson yeah yep, yep. That's scary so the only person we haven't heard from is rick how are you sir i'm doing well paul thank you how about you i am excellent thank you Hey, we got so, eighteen. We got eighteen participants. Tonight, yeah, we have which a means, lot of. It's a good. Yeah, which see, means this is a good thing. It, which means you guys need to not bell. talk so much yeah. and let the participants. And that is a good yeah. thing. This is an exciting thing. So, what we are going to talk about is something that Brian started last week um, in in his discussion of uh, 2023, and it has to do with. Um, artificial intelligence and some of the changes that are occurring uh, with artificial intelligence or have occurred. Um, and it's significant how many of those changes there actually are and equally significant, I think, how quickly it appears to be folks' notion um, that, uh, that artificial intelligence is going to come on like gangbusters over the next few years. And that, in truth, the likelihood is that many of the components that we recognize as commonplace now will, will in, in terms of ways of doing things on the internet, will, will entirely change. Um, but there are some barriers and some disadvantages, uh, and I think uh, some components that may, in fact, end up leaving people who are blind behind. Um, but as we proceed um, this evening, I think we'll, we'll, we'll begin to explore some of those things, and we'll see how it goes. Uh, so, Brian, since you started this, 
last week. Um, are there some starting points that, that you would like to make? Well, the first thing is that this is not some kind of futuristic discussion. Right. It is today, this evening on the CBS Evening News, one of the lead articles was on chat GPT, the lead AI uh, that's causing so much uh, conversation over the internet uh, and in lots of lots of entities. Uh, I have a friend who is a assistant dean at Boston University, and they are having meetings this week among staff on how to deal with students who submit papers that were written by artificial intelligence and you know so that that's a very current thing uh the story on the news this evening spoke of students who are not only submitting essays written by artificial intelligence but answering uh questions in tests using the same type of technology there are so just anti-technologies that do the reverse they detect such things they do um, so go ahead Paul, but it's, it's going to be it's going to be harder for them to detect these though i think um because they they use some very particular approaches um what what they cross-reference is is uh other materials so they're they're kind of like the sort of name that tune or shazam kind of operation they're they're looking at huge amount of amounts of data on a particular topic and if they find correlation then they start to speak about um people having committed the the, the crime of plagiarism um and right, and that's how and even in this plagiarism yeah. It's a different yeah. definition of plagiarism. You know, plagiarism sure is. is when a sentence or paragraph uh, was quoted exactly. But what these yes. AIs can do is compile uh, everything written on a given topic and extract it and reword it yes. to meet your goal in terms of it, things for example you can say i want you to write a five-page paper on the subject of uh, nuclear uh, weapon pol proliferation i shouldn't have chose that subject since i can't pronounce it that well um, but i want it written in such a way that it sounds like it was written by a 15 year old and so it can reword phrases that would clearly be plagiarism, but in this alternate method, if you will. But again, they have tools out there that can spot telltale signs that something was done by artificial intelligence. Yeah. So, Brian, we're talking about this website, but let's let's give folks the exact name of the website that we're talking about if we can chat g p t uh, that stands for general purpose technology chat gpt and if you want to go out there and get involved in this in some way you want to go to open 
openai.org. Openai. Nice, I said .org. I mean .com. And there you will find not only ChatGPT, but several other products that are associated with artificial intelligence. You then click on the one that you want to get involved with. They have you set up an account. And with that account, you can simply log in to chatgpt.com and log in once you get there. And then you will be at a prompt where you too can interact with the AI. Okay. So let's assume. So the, so, so oh, the starting place, just, just to clarify, so the starting right. place is openai.com. Correct. And, and, and the, the chat GPT is, is just re, it, it is a separate website though, but you have to have already signed in on OpenAI before you can use it. Yes. Correct. Thank you. Just wanted to get it clear for our folks because I hope lots of people will start playing with this stuff because I think it's important. I think it's valid. Very so good. When you when you log in, you're left at a prompt. You know, basically, what do, what what do you want? And as with lots of things, it's all in how you pose the question to what results you're going to get. Mm -hmm. You can ask, what is 5 times 10? And it will respond with 50. But if you were to say, multiply the number of states in the United States by the number of... Uh, Sides in well, a pentagram. Exactly. You would get a different result because it would go out and find out what were the number of states. And how many sides on a pentagram? And the then answer would be build those things. 250. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we end up interacting with it differently. Also, your requests can be much more complex than that. Write an outline for a presentation on the subject of best practices when it comes to working with sourdough. And it will write an outline, but you can be more specific and say, uh, add to that phrase uh, for use in a PowerPoint presentation. And it will format it appropriately for that. But you can also add to that, um, uh, you can get more specific in follow-ons because it listens to a conversation with you. So you can start out asking for titles on the, for a book on the subject of sourdough, and it will come up with a set of, of uh, possible titles. But you can then say, give me 10 more. You don't have to write it all out again. Give me 10 more. And then you can uh, cut and uh, paste or highlight the one that you want to interact with and say, now write me a 20 chapter outline for a book on this topic. And it will do that. And through a series of cutting this information and pasting it into your word processor of choice, 
you can very quickly, I, I mean literally, in a day, write a uh, book on a given topic. Now, in that day, you should follow that up, of course, by doing fact-checking. Uh, AI currently is primarily dependent on data that was through the year 2020. So anything that requires rethink based on current events would be suspect. Now, th this is all interesting if you're into content generation and idea generation and getting help in organizing your thoughts on a given topic. It's a really valuable tool in that regard. But it's having an impact already and is expected to have a major impact on a number of life activities, including employment. So the first group of people who are going to be affected by it from an employment perspective are those who are content creators. If you make your living writing articles for the newspaper, writing articles for blogs, writing articles uh, for uh, newsletters on virtually any topic, then you are going to be impacted by this. They will need on. fewer content creators right. to generate the same volume of content. So technical writers or... Technical well, writers, or in fact, journalists, I think. Journalists yes, although in general. journalism, the, the, the minute that it becomes an opinion piece, it's much better at dealing with things that have facts mm -hmm. than things that have opinions at this yeah, point. But, but, but in theory, newspapers were supposed to have facts a long time ago. Yes, but when you say, <laughs> I, I want to be careful, columnists <laughs> will yes. probably be yeah. less affected in the short term. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so there's that. Do, Another do, is do, programming. Though though I've heard that you can that you can tell it to write an article as a conservative or as a liberal. Yes, because it will draw on information that's considered to be right. valid by people who hold those beliefs. Correct. Uh, again, you're not going to write a novel using this at this moment. Uh, it's not good at fiction. Probably a good thing. And, and those kind of things. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So another occupation is programming. Yes. You can ask it to generate a, a piece of code that does a particular task. Uh, and then you can collect those pieces of code, put them together, and it will actually, those, that code will work. But you can also use it to, if you will, proofread your code. You can ask it to examine the following code and let me know why uh, it is What's wrong with failing. It? Yep. Yep. And it will not only tell you what's wrong with it, it will correct it for you explain where you went wrong so that's going to affect that profession dramatically but it's not all the high techy things either larry 
what did you do? What have you been doing for a living for most of your adult life? Working for Marriott and testing websites with regard to technology, which, and I can see a definite use for AI there in terms of coding, et cetera, and checking out things, especially for people who are making their living trying to make reservations when something goes wrong. I, yes. I, I can see AI helping tremendously to figure out why something's not working and make it yes, work. Yes, absolutely. Not only that, but that same AI will affect anyone whose job involves selecting from a list, pulling up, or like say, if you're a reservationist, you're looking things up on screen, uh, and you're helping by get, asking questions of the caller to help them select a flight or conditions of a given flight. Is it late? You know, whatever the question might be. That is very up the alley of AI. Absolutely. Um, also, customer service jobs. You know, we all get a little frustrated, you know, push one for this, push two for that, that kind of business. But these days, it's done with a lot of speech recognition, right? Push one or say one. Who do you want to talk to? Uh, you know, those kinds of things. But those will ramp up um, levels of magnitude. Sure. Uh, utilizing AI. And, and incidentally, um, just as, a, as an absolutely direct application to um, people who are blind, the National Library Service is currently testing prototypes of um, new talking book players um, that will operate entirely um, utilizing voice input and output and and will have logarithms built into them that will not only handle the speech recognition, but will have a number of AI functions built in in terms of recommending books and putting them together. Yes. Um, and this extends beyond that because AI is at the backbone of text-to-speech. And Apple it certainly has just is released a series of books read by AI, high quality AI, so mm -hmm. high of a quality. Nobody's been able to tell the difference between it and human narration. What's yep. that going to do to the talking book kind of industry or the spoken uh, the word line? industry in general? And, yep, and what's it going to do to audio description? It can be highly impactful in that regard because uh, the closer it gets to sounding human, the more it can be automated and the less time between something needing to be described and something being described. And understand, that's not just in terms of reading the text of a written audio description. That's looking at what's happening in the video and generating proposed text to describe uh, and utilizing uh, different components of AI, it can listen for gaps in the narration and come up with text that it could say in those gaps 
that describe what's going on. And of course, it could tailor them specifically to the gap so it can either put in just the right number of words or increase or decrease the speed to fill the gap precisely. Exactly. So I, I, while I am very concerned about what impact this will have over the next five years as it becomes the dominant technology, uh, the fact of the matter is in some ways it can be put to a purpose that would really benefit us. You could easily see every book at Bookshare be available in human-sounding narration within a matter of months. Months. Yep. Um, yep. And, and so there's that. Um, other examples of jobs, telemarketing, uh, any kind of customer service, um, any kind of scheduling. So, you know, people who are um, administrative assistants, think of the kind of skills that requires, right? The ability to maintain a calendar for somebody else, to uh, parse through email, to prioritize yep. for your supervisor. Uh, ordering things on a regular basis, maintaining inventory of whatever. I mean, the list goes on. And this all can be done by AI. And, and gradually it's getting cheaper and cheaper to do it by AI. Um, oh, because it's already cheaper. <laughs> it's yes. already cheaper. The services I have worked with so far have all been free. Mm-hmm. Uh, so one of the one of the things from an employment perspective that I'd recommend to any of our listeners this evening is learn to be really good at using these technologies. There is employment possibilities in that. And let's uh, let's try to let's let's try to at least explore to a degree why that's the case because these devices are as fast as they are it means that there is an expectation from employers that stuff that you would normally have a day or two to get done is going to have to be done within an hour or two because the aggregators are out there that will put those things together and your job is not going to be to aggregate them it is going to be to create both a good look and um, an, an individual flavor that speaks to either your company or your own style. Yes, absolutely. These so AIs learn the more that you work with them, because remember, they know that you've got a username and password. The more you work with them, the more they learn from the kinds of things you like and you submit for example you can submit uh 10 minutes of your voice send it off and it'll come back as uh, a text-to-speech in your voice with your cadence you can take your picture <clears throat> and have your synthetic voice 
speak and your lips will move appropriately for that uh, spoken word. Creating a wonderful alibi for a criminal who wants to be one place <laughs> giving a speech and another place committing a murder. There you go. Uh, but, and again, this all sounds so science fiction. Yeah. But there's there's a couple of things to keep in mind. One, we, we've been talking about chat GPT, but there are other artificial intelligence that specialize in other things. Yes. Um, there are those that specialize in assisting people in creating music. Mm -hmm. You can give them and say, I would like a folk song on the subject of uh, drinking in the middle of the night. And it will do it. Yep. You can say, I want to take a given photograph that I provided and turn it into a cartoon image mm -hmm. of that photograph. You, <laughs> the list, so anything that deals with visual um, creation, audio creation, text creation, management of any of the above, we all would love for websites, for example, to have alt tags for all images, right? Well, you can use this technology to do just that. Not by an individual writing those alt tags, but by the AI looking at the image, deciding what it is, and writing a proposed alt tag for it. Well, and... And I guess the question as well, Brian, and, and then I, I think we ought to pause because I know there are a couple of people who've had their hands up. Um, but, but I think the other thing that's interesting is, are we going to get to a place, say, five or ten years from now? I don't think we're there yet, where the organization and structure of a web page isn't going to matter to us nearly as much as it does now. Because we can use these AIs to, in effect, ask whatever question we want, which will, which will enable them to go out, find the information for us, and come back with it. Absolutely. Again, Paul, that is not five to ten years. That's this year and next year. Yep. yep. Chat I, I, GPT I, is coming out with a new version this year. Yep. It's expected to be uh, populated with all information up to the moment you use it. Pretty not amazing. Not frozen in time. Yep. Not frozen in time. So let's let's hear some questions and comments by our listeners. Who Ms. do we Marianne. have raising hands up there? We Ms. have Marianne. Jane. We have Jane. Yep. Hello. Hello, Thank Jane. Um, are you yes, hearing we, me? We are indeed. Well, thank you. You know, when I hear this, I think we talk about climate change and we run scared as rabbits. And when I hear technology changes, I want to jump forward and jump in and figure it's just what we have to do. But right now, I'm 
utterly awestruck and overwhelmed by the capacities that technology has to provide information, manage information. And I go, where do we get to be heart to heart with the world around us? Where, where do we trust it? How do we work it? Um, I'm still trying to figure out how to protect people's rights or uh, how to protect their access to information by having 411 directory assistance. You know, I'm looking at that and saying, this is, this is what many people still need and it's a priority for them. So I'm listening to this and thinking about um, uh, all of this and going, I, I want it. I want to know how to use it. And I feel uh, brave enough to say <laughs> I really need somebody to hold my hand and walk me through it. <laughs> so I'm listening to you guys, mm-hmm. and you better talk plain English because, boy, oh, boy, <laughs> I need it, and I need yep. you. Thank so you, Miss Jane. Yes. Yep. Thank you so much. Miss Marianne? We have Penny. Hey, hey. Penny. Hey, how are you? Ms. Reader. This this Zoom is is totally new. I can't figure out what I'm doing anymore. There's like no uh, got it button anymore. There's no um, mute, unmute button anymore. Anyway, hey. It is um, very strange. I I think this has uh, a lot of pros and a lot of uh, scary cons, I agree. But I'm really looking forward to the day when I don't have to learn a thousand JAWS commands. I mean, I would be really happy about that. Um, I was wondering if you all had thought about how much you've contributed to the development of this, all of you who use IRA, because that was the whole reason they developed IRA, was to improve their artificial intelligence capabilities. Yes, and you know, there's a lot of talk right now about IRA because they just came out with their new price. I just saw somebody on Facebook who said that now you can get a 15-minute massage or you can get Ira for 15 minutes. <laughs> it's like one or the other. <laughs> but, you know, from the very beginning, Penny, you're right. Ira was openly discussed as uh, this is, we're going to start with human involvement, but our goal is to come up with algorithms that will allow us to use AI to provide this. That was the whole point. You know, they were charging you for your free education so that they could develop artificial intelligence capabilities. That's exactly right. I mean, not that it's a bad service. It is a great service for a lot of people, but, but it is interesting that that's, that's the approach they took. So uh, this is an interesting uh, conversation. You guys, I think this, this chat, what is it, GBT, is just, it's just daunting if you're like a teacher or a, a writer or a journalist or it just, uh, it gives you a lot of pause, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. What are the what are the scary things that you're seeing, Penny? I think the fact that you can get it to write in any kind of, uh, I mean, style? The, the, yeah. yeah, any kind of style. The, the example I saw was... Uh, they asked it to write an essay about the discovery of America from the vantage point of the uh, Native Americans who were living there. And the essay was phenomenal. 
which is just amazing. Uh, especially, I mean, some local newspapers, the few that are left, are already using it to cover uh, high school sports. Um, so it, it's not in the future, Brian. You're right. It's right now. Yeah. And, and frankly, it is that AI that is enabling local journalism to survive because they can't afford to pay people. That's right. That's right. But then what are we going to lose in the interim if we, um, I mean, actually, you know, I guess we just need to know what date will actually happen that the robots take over, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I mean, we'll get to that. We'll we'll get to that before we're done tonight, because I'm going to talk about what I think some of the downsides are. Okay. Um, um, well, so we'll, we'll get there. Topic. I'm glad you guys uh, decided to, to take it on. And, uh, yep, and so it's nice to be Penny, back on. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Penny, what do you think? You know, one of my concerns is since it draws its information from what has been on the internet, you know, all, all of what's posted on the internet, how are we going to have any faith in the outcome? When we don't have faith in everything that's on we the We already internet. don't have any faith in, in the social media. We, we're not. Exactly. Because exactly. it's going to learn the same prejudices that we already don't like that are rampant on the internet. Yes. It's going to be misogynistic because that's how society is. Um, it's, it's a scary thought, I think. Yep, I think it is. Yep. Miss Penny, thank you so much. Feel free to jump in later if you're minded. You're welcome. I'm so glad to be here. Thanks. Excellent. Uh, Miss Marianne? Area code 978. I don't know what any area codes are anymore. I I thought it was New York, but I might be wrong. Is it? All right. Here I am. No, (laughs) Jerry Boucher. (laughs) Yep. From Haverhill, Massachusetts. You recognize my voice, huh? Hey, Jerry. Yeah, how are you, my friend? We're well. Doing well. Doing no, well. Good, good. Yeah, no, I was just uh, listening to the beginning of your, you know, even all this technology is all for the betterment. I think uh, the lady talked uh, last caller about downsizing. This also can be used for a lot of evil things, like mm-hmm. placing a mad married man with another woman. A happily married man with another woman or anything pertaining to is that true? Sure, we can, yeah. we can, but we've been able to do that for two or three years, sure. But you can do more, you can so, do more of it now. Yes, so, so far, we haven't been able to produce any children. <laughs> <laughs> but oh, there's still time. Oh, don't go me there. I can, I can help you out. So, Jerry, you know, one of the things. Paul's referring to it, you know, over the years we've been used, able to, they, what did they call it? Somebody uh, print shopped yes. uh, photographs and did some cut and paste, but uh, an alert eye could see there was something wrong there. The shadows weren't correct or whatever. AI fixes that. Yep. So right. it, it today's it, AI, yeah, it is. That. It it's really oh. impossible to distinguish a photograph. So I mean, there there have been there have been political efforts made so far in other countries to try to show, for instance, the the leaders of that country doing inappropriate things with other people. 
but but showing mm-hmm. perfect pictures of these leaders and creating the 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 political feedback that says, oh, how could you have such immoral people in leadership positions? And yes. and and it, you know, it's it, it again, as Penny said, it's going to make it very difficult, I think, for us to ever again know what's really true. <laughs> yep. yeah. You're going to have one hell of a time dealing with the difference between truth and fiction. Mm-hmm. Jerry, thanks so much for your call. Okay, you're welcome. Take yep. care, my friend. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, they used to say seeing is believing. Well, yeah. uh, not so much, thank See- you. Seeing exactly. is deceiving, hearing is revealing. <laughs> All right, Jerry. <laughs> hearing is revealing. You got that right. Except except we can we can we can have President Biden saying he loves Donald Trump in his voice. Thanks, Jerry. Okay, pal. Thank you, too. Yep. Miss Marianne, who we got? We have Michelle. Hey, Michelle. Hi. Um, Hi. How are you? (laughs) Good. I uh, um, heard someone mention, a lady mention about 411. Yes, and um, I had a thought that we kind of have to move toward um, the artificial intelligence because AT and T is going to be disbanding for one one um, uh, from nineteen seventy. I think they had about four hundred and twenty eight thousand subscribers. Yep. Marianne, can you? Yeah. Can, can no, she's, you she's take Jerry me. off? Yeah, I'm, I'm going. I didn't know who it was. Yep, I'm going to do that. Yep. Yeah, that's Jerry. Yep, thank you. So, Michelle, um, do you? You're you're saying they had that many subscribers then, and they don't have that many now? He's muted. Up. Oh. All right. Unmute, Michelle. Or or Michelle may may have said all she wanted to say. It's all good. She can unmute. She can unmute. She can. Please re-unmute yourself. Yeah. Michelle! Um, yeah. There she is. Yeah. There she is. Can you hear yep. me now? So we yeah. can. Yeah, we can. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, they had over um, 428,000 operators in like oh 1970, yeah, and uh, now they're uh, they they're down to um, a little over four thousand. Um, so uh, they're going to just start taking it down. Um, a lot of people w- will not will no longer be able to dial four one one to get information. And they were just saying some of the things that people used to call <laughs> and ask. Oh, yeah. And now um, you can just, um, you know, Google it or and, and it is even going to be better. I, uh, uh, more information with this artificial intelligence. Um, I, th- I think that's here. possible, but but it still doesn't get to what, how we deal with with 
with older people who are the who are the folks who are probably the ones who are using four one one anymore, because mm-hmm. a, a, a lot of us a lot of us don't. I mean, I have uh, I, I don't have free stuff on my cell phone, so mm-hmm. I generally don't use four one one. Even if I have access to it, I'll try using um, using um, Google or some other approach right. in order to get telephone numbers. And and right. I suspect that other people are doing similar things. Brian, do you mm-hmm. use 411 very much? I do. But then again, I am not an AT&T customer. Right. And the system I'm on is not making those kinds of decisions at this at this point. At this point. Yes. Yeah. But even when I got went to get <coughs> directory assistant, it says, are you looking for a business or yeah. an individual? Uh, say the city and the city or right. town right. and the person. That, so they're already incorporating some of right. that. And that is not something that goes into the ear. Well, of, at, and I, and I think ahead. that's something they don't say that, that yep. 90% of 411 now is, is done by, um, is done by artificial intelligence and by mm-hmm. algorithms. The only time, mm-hmm. That you get to an operator is if they can't find a, a number exactly. using the, the method that they're trying. If they if they can't, then an operator comes on and 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 tries to help. Sure. Again, yeah. it, the well, the questions you know, have we, changed it, too. Sure, it's creeped up on us. Yep, it's become more and more expected. You know when. <laughs> Again, we've gotten past the push one for this, push two for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I call Walgreens, uh, I'm not asked to push any numbers. So how can we help you? And then it parses that down to things that it thought I might have wanted. Uh, Throws in some you, commercials too. You, but you, you guys, you guys have much more advanced Walgreens than we do. Yeah, <laughs> and if I want to get to somebody, like I know what I want, and I know that those menus cannot help me i'll you know usually you can press eight or zero and get to an operator like a bank somebody not well very rarely i have to uh i have to really be i'm really frustrated a lot of times when i want to talk to somebody specifically and i can't Mm -hmm. that's correct very good miss marianne who have we got we have natalie hey natalie hey everyone thanks for letting me talk. Um, so I had to laugh when Brian was talking about the customer service because I do customer service and all of my customers today, because we are required to, um, you know, let them know about the automated whatever and all the things they can Mm -hmm. do online and stuff. And so all of my customers today yelled at me when I, um, recommended that. So, um, that made me laugh when Brian was talking about the customer service, but, um, all of this AI is fabulous, but like you said, Paul, what about older people that, um, you know, don't know how to use cell phones? Um, and also when you really think about it, like, I feel like people won't even need to go to school anymore because soon we are Mm -hmm. all not going to be able to, um, think for ourselves. Yeah. It's scary. Well, and and I guess the other question is if, if, if AIs are, sorry, let me try it another way. When AIs become as ubiquitous as they're going to be, and Brian, you're welcome to respond to this if you want to, um, are 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 we going to have to 
devise different ways to test education. Yeah, because people can look at, I mean, people don't even know how to spell anymore because you just ask your lady A device or Google or something. Yep. Yep. I think it's a good point. Or auto or auto spell correct Mm -hmm. word. Yep. I mean, it's, it's, it's built into our lives in a variety of different ways. You know, there hasn't been a generation that didn't think that um, when they went to school, dot, 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 right? When I went to school, there wasn't calculators. So you had to work all math out on paper. Yeah, and, uh, and, and you had to learn how to do it by columns, for example. So exactly. you're adding and so, subtracting. So, but even those who use calculators today, if you don't know how to pose the question. You're not going to get the right answer out of a calculator. It needs to know those things. By the way, if you, when I said earlier that, you know, uh, chat GPT does mathematics, it can be fooled very easily. You can, it can come back and say the answer is 10. And even though you know that's right, you say that isn't right. And it will come back with, well, so maybe it's nine. You, know, <laughs> you can fool it like that. Um, the the other thing I'd, I'd say about um, all of this and, and the elderly, the goal in much of this is to make things, uh, well, what my generation would have said was idiot-proof, so that you had to know very little to get out of a system what you're looking for. Right. When I, I you know, I'm very careful when I ask Lady A a question to do what they call parse the question in a very particular way. My sister, however, comes up to that same thing and says, turn on the living room lamps, I mean the back lamp. <laughs> and it does it. You know, but I'm impressed that it does. Say, Turn on the lamp in the back. I mean, any variation of that, as long as it includes the word lamp and back and living room, it's going to do it. It doesn't matter what order it's in, none none whatsoever. Mm -hmm. So already I can imagine my mother calling 411 and saying, I want to talk to my sister, Anne. And it will come back and say, uh, can you tell me Anne's last name? Yep. Well, it's, it's Anne Charlson. Uh, and, and where does she live? Well, she lives in Spokane. Okay, I have a number here for uh, Anne Charlson living in Spokane. Would you like me to give you that number? Or would you just rather have me dial it for you? That's all real. Yeah, and and besides, it 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 would it might even, particularly with a name as common as Anne, it would probably it might well say, do, do you do you know what street she lives on? Yeah, it will ask you yeah. questions to narrow the search. Yep, uh, and give you the information you're looking for, and it will include a, a number of things like you've again those people who are using Lady A's. You know, they're trying to personify, right? Is that is that the right word? Personify? That is yes. sound more human in the interaction with Humanized. you? Yes. 
humanize the whole process. So if it doesn't work, I say, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm having difficulty uh, making that connection. Um, one of the things see one if of the somebody things that, else can help. Yeah, that kind of thing. One of the things that you guys should try just for fun is say thank you to the A lady four or five times and see what happens. It is fascinating. She changes her response each time you say thank you. Oh, it does, and 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 the responses the the responses are are some of them are amazing. One of them is a whole choir. (laughs) I have not heard that one, but I've said something to her, and she's changed her response five times. I won't tell you what Mm -hmm. I said to her, but she did change her response. We can probably and, guess. Yeah. <laughs> and, and understand this is not limited to Lady A. There's also the Google Minis that are out there. Well, and, and actually, it, it is really interesting because I haven't played with it for the last year. But before the last year, the Google Assistant was actually far, far more intuitive than the Lady A is. Um, you could, for example, a- actually virtually make an air reservation that you could be pretty certain was going to be the cheapest and the most effective um, wow. by asking all kinds of all kinds of narrowing questions um, of, of Google Assistant, whereas the Lady A was nowhere near that capable. Well, uh, keep in mind the word is Google. So if you're yes, trying to it is. Yep. look up information, Google's got a, a bigger way to do that. Uh, well, Lady A and, leans way too heavily on Wikipedia. Right. And and Google Google Flights has, in fact, become our go-to place for looking for airline tickets now. Uh, even better you, than all of the other cheap ticket places. Yeah. <laughs> and and again, this 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 humanizing thing. So Kim will say. Set an alarm for for one thirty, and it will yep. say, "Got it." Yep. Okay. Consider so, it done. <laughs> so, I I, I want to talk to the other side of this old person argument, Brian, if I might, for a second. Sure. One of the questions that a lot of us raised with the National Library Service was, "Why in the world are are you thinking of an interface?" For a bunch of old people that has no buttons on it, that's going to be simply a screen, and it's going to rely on voice input. And what they essentially said to us is, the fact is that the machines that we're currently giving to folks aren't easily usable by a lot of older people. They're just not. And we need to try to find an interface that simply allows them to be natural so that we can actually train them to say just a few things and get as much as they need to in order to get books back. And far from saying that uh, AI is going to make things worse for old people, they argue that it will in fact be better. And, and if, we, if we develop a device, <clears throat> and we're not far from there, I mean, we we now use the A lady. We now use Siri in our in our phones and and a whole bunch of other 
things in our in, in and other components to actually talk directly to them using voice recognition in order to to get information across. But five or ten years from now, the probability is that we're going to be a lot further ahead, especially com- if we compare where we are and where we have come in the last five years in that area. And so, the, But the point that I'm coming to make is I really think we're going to, within five or ten years, have a device that's going to be uh, available to older people um, that, that will be able to do a whole range of things for them that we can't even consider now. Uh, um, it, Mrs. Jones, it's time for you to take your your pills now. Um, do you have you um, have you have you had supper? What did you what did you have? Um, have you have you called in to so and so? All of these things can be programmed into very simple AI programs that could actually be done right now. Um, you know, and we have these these emergency things where you know, the, the I have fallen and I can't get up kind of um, system. But those are getting more and more sophisticated now. <clears throat> and I think that within five or 10 years, the, the, the fact is that AI will, will probably make life for older people far better. And the last thing I'm going to say, and I'll shut up for a while, is one of the most interesting experiments that's going on, and it's, it's really sponsored more in Japan than anywhere else, is the introduction of robot companions for old people. Um, and they have become quite, um, quite widespread. Um, the old people know their robots, at least to start with, but, but they very quickly bond with them um, and and they significantly improve uh, old people's capacity to function independently and on their own in an environment simply by having them around. So it's There's fascinating. There's no question that that kind of thing is happening. Uh, and understand that a lot of what we're talking about, we're talking about it as if it's a thing. It isn't. It is primarily a linking of things, things one sure. to the other. So a piece here and a piece there, but if you do them in this order, then this is the outcome. You do it in that order. That's the outcome. I'm right now, for example, going out of my home office into Brian's man cave kitchen. Mm-hmm. And in here... I have one of my Christmas presents. <clears throat> Let's see if this works. Computer, follow me. Following is now on. Now this is a Echo Show Ten, and it is cancel, and it is capable of not only following me from perspective of if I were a sighted person, I could always see the screen because the screen will follow me wherever I go. But also it's a speaker. So there's no such thing as a sweet spot for the sound the speaker puts out. It's pointed at me no matter where I am. And I turned on voice view, the screen reader, but it's also a touch screen capacity. 
And I can be on this Zoom call. In fact, next week, I'm coming on the Zoom call through this device rather than through my iPhone. It's incredible, all the bits and pieces. I have underfoot here um, one of those uh, vacuums, right? I, I, I call her Rosie. It tells you how old I am. You remember Rosie? The Riveter. No, not that far the back. Maid. <laughs> Rosie, the maid. the maid in the Jetsons. Yes. Right. So, oh, see, Rosie I'm vacuums my kitchen. She vacuums my kitchen. Re recording now, in progress. That strikes me as uh, this kind of convergence of several different things that need to be true for certain things to happen. But the rapidity of change, how fast things change, how this thing connects to that thing uh, is truly, truly exciting. But it also means that no sooner will we be comfortable with one thing, then that will no longer be available right. because it's been surpassed by another thing. Right. There are now uh, so robot vacuums that can learn the floor plans of your house so that Absolutely. once they've been over your house a few times, they know exactly how they should vacuum and they know that when they're getting near the end of their charge, they should go back to their charging station and park. And dump the load they have into the parking station so they'll be empty for the next time. Correct. And to avoid pet accidents. I mean, just amazing. Amazing. Yep. Uh, if those who have new iPhones uh, that have LADAR in them uh, can do amazing things with that LADAR, uh, and it's only going to grow. And once the sensor's in something, the more significant that... Uh, you know, people design things around what's capable in yeah, I, I, hardware I, devices. I don't know about other people, Brian. I haven't a clue what LADAR is, so tell us. It's, it's, it's the ability for the device to send out a beam and have it ricochet off of something, come back like radar or sonar, right. and then it works out the distance between you and that thing. That's just one thing it can do. Mm -hmm. It can also map the space around it, which is what you were describing the vacuum right. cleaner does. Yes. So Very you good. could step into a space and ask your phone, describe the space I'm in. You're in a space that is X feet tall, X feet wide, X feet deep. It contains 15 objects. Those 15 objects include a table with 14 chairs around. I just, got a, I just got a phone. It's the 14 Pro last week. And I'm still learning it because yep. I had an 8. So there's a learning curve. But this is one of the things that I want to play with and look at and explore. Yep. yep. It's amazing. It, 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 it is absolutely, absolutely amazing. Mm -hmm. uh, and again, one of the... So the big stumbling blocks. There are huge stumbling blocks in this becoming ubiquitous uh, across the country and around the globe. One is uh, it's pretty data intensive. And as a result, uh, you really need 
community-based Wi-Fi, where you're on Wi-Fi, not popping back and forth between cellular and Wi-Fi when you're on the move. It just requires that much data uh, to be significant for you. Uh, and you know, while, while I'm sitting here outside of Boston, and uh, I think all of us are in fairly major metropolitan areas, that does not describe most of the United States. There's huge swaths through the Midwest and South uh, in the more rural states where it simply doesn't exist. But even that is being changed with all the satellites that are being thrown up, uh, virtual hives of satellites uh, that are making it possible to bring high-speed internet everywhere. So, and the, it, the you know, consequences, it's a problem, but not a long time. Yeah, the consequences yeah. of of those of of those changes have been immense. Firstly, they are going to probably within the next three to four years anyway, um, have, have uh, I- I enough capacity um, around the world um, that, that's actually going to enable the kind of globalized approach that you're talking about, Brian, um, in, terms of, in terms of being able to get information from the places where it is to where you are. Um, and the places where it is often aren't necessarily um, right here in River City, they're they're elsewhere in the world. So it's not only a question of a centralized data location because those don't necessarily exist anymore. Um, there are nodes of information which are which are contained around the world um, and which are which are accessed amazingly quickly by the devices that we have. But as you say, we need more capacity. It's it's going to be an issue. But the other thing that that has happened and interestingly enough this particularly applies to africa there are a number of african countries that completely skipped the phase of development that involved um using um landlines yep and went directly to cell phones <laughs> which not only enabled them to have communications, but allowed them very early in their development as, as economies to introduce micro-banking and a range of other components that enabled individuals, even in pretty remote areas, to be effective. And there are a number of elements that are being deployed now um, that, that are likely to create a situation where down the road it, it may be <coughs> just as cheap and effective to use satellites um, for doing virtually all of our internet um, than, than it currently is now. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was at a place in northern Kentucky where... Um, cell service was was difficult, but where satellite communication um, gave very clear and unequivocal Wi-Fi to the spot that I was. Exactly. Uh, again, we're talking about a combination of building an infrastructure that yep. supports data in a major way for people to be able to utilize some of this stuff. 
you know, we as blind people uh, have grown a bit accustomed, those of us who are slightly techy, to utilize GPS for outdoor yep. navigation. Yep. And that's all wonderful and fine. Uh, mind you, the accuracy of that is only within uh, six feet at the most, at the very clearest. Yes. Six feet from where you want to be. Uh, and other systems have been developed to fill that six-foot gap um, mm -hmm. through things like crowdsourcing and the like. But what we're describing could easily result in having the ability to have that level of navigation indoors uh, without having to go around and map everything. Or it's without necessarily having to put up beacons, which is what one exactly. has to do now if one wants to do that. But the right. expectation, to, to clarify what Brian's saying, is that what will happen is we will have maps of every single building um, that are sufficiently good to enable entities like, um, like our GPS systems um, to understand what those maps say and to guide us where we want to go. Exactly. Part of it, you know, the transition will be uh, uh, what do you call blueprints that are on file, searchable, right? Kind of blueprints that these AIs can access and give you information about. Combine that with the lidar that I was discussing a moment ago, and right. you have the ability to walk through. I'm going to say a mall, but they probably won't exist in in five years. Um, yep. But walk through complex spaces like hospitals and such whatnot, fully independent with it yep. telling you turn by turn how to where to go to go to yep. a given place in that space. Uh, there are other aspects of all this, of course. There's the issue of privacy. And where does your privacy meet up against my need? I'll give you a very specific example face recognition we had facial recognition for a very short period of time available to any of us we could ask who was in this photograph and utilizing facial recognition it could tell us we could be wearing uh, a pair of glasses with a camera and Whoever we looked at, we could ask it, who is that person? And it would look, using facial recognition and databases, tell us who that was, even if we had never met them before. But people found that as an invasion of their personal privacy. Uh, if you were walking down the street and saw somebody coming the other way that you didn't recognize, is it intrusive? for your AI to tell you who that person is and how much data should you be uh, allowed to have about that person. That's John Smith who resides at Beth and such. He's married, um, has three kids and uh, you wears a hairpiece, you know, how now much? When, when I moved into my house a year ago, Brian, Mm -hmm. um, I didn't even have to do neighborhoods. I just sort of looked under my address and found, proximate people with all kinds of information about them 
that I never would have expected to find online, but it was there. Um, and, and I think that I think the other issue with regard to facial recognition is we sometimes jump ahead of ourselves in, in, in our societies. And one of the things that, for instance, um, police folks wanted to do was to use facial recognition um, to track criminals um, and to use um, cameras that are located all over the city um, in, in, in order to um, in, in order to track people who they thought might be criminals. And what that sometimes meant was tracking more black folks than others. And what it, what it also often meant is, um, it is inappropriate facial recognition because it's not a perfect science yet. Um, actually identifying the wrong person um, and therefore getting that person into all kinds of trouble. So. I mean, I mean there, 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 there certainly were some issues with the way it was being handled. If it was. Look we definitely have some things. hands. Just oh, good. Let's have know. some talk. Pardon me. We get going. I'm sorry. We're exorcised. Um, we have Nora. Hey, Nora. Using an iPad. That's correct. Yeah. Hi. Hi. See, we know what you're using. See, yep. you're looking into your living room. Right. Yeah. We're looking at you right now, Nora. Yep. <laughs> you are. You are. Even on my video phone. Anyway, my uh, <laughs> my concern about this, um, uh, my concern about the thing like the 411, first of all, the one down there side is that when I ask for something, they say, I'm sorry, I didn't get that. And I have to repeat and repeat. Yep. People who yep. have speech, speech impairment, like sometimes I do, mm-hmm. and I get frustrated because I, we need to speak to an op, a real alive person, an operator. So that's just that bit. So that's the downer side. And the other side yep. about, yeah, and another thing about the AI thing, I think it, what's bad about it is having to, uh, what do you call it? imitate a person who has passed away and that's not good either. I think you're right. On the other hand though, Nora, what will certainly happen is as you start to use your speech recognition more, um, whether you're using it with your iPhone or whether you're using it with your iPad or whoever you're using it with, it will actually get better at recognizing your voice even with your speech impediments and will do a better job of handling speech recognition than, say, 411 will, which is expecting a, a voice that has no speech impediments at all. Right. That's already built into some devices Correct. you may be interacting yep. with. Exactly. Uh, certainly, Apple devices are busy creating uh, a map of your voice and yep. making adjustments based on that. You go into accessibility issues and there are now growing number of speech-related things that you can turn on or off. One of the things I've done to all of my A devices in the house is I told it to give me more time to verbalize a question because God help me if I take yep. a breath in the middle of a question. So now 
it sticks sticks around and mm-hmm. it automatically is now set so that i can ask a follow-on question without having to use the wake word so things mm-hmm. are absolutely getting significantly better uh, yep. in terms of dealing with the all of the variations in human speech right so when i run the landline and i call the one one four one one and it's yep. still and play like century link the home company and cox communication cable company mm-hmm. here yep. in phoenix arizona they still have they still ask me oh, sorry. Yep. i'm sorry i didn't get that <laughs> Ms. Yep. Nora, thank you so much for your call. May I may I add to a little bit to what you just said? Sure. <laughs> this has happened now twice. John and I have both had the same iPhone, and when we log into Face ID, it can't tell the difference as to who's logging in. <laughs> it could be me or John. And then uh, several months ago, I was out somewhere, and John was playing with the A lady in the front room. And and something happened where she asked a question like, would you like to put this in your profile? He said, sure. Now, he doesn't have a profile with mine. He has one with his. Right. She said, what's your first name? John. That was a mistake because so often now I'll ask her a question. She'll say, thank you. Good morning, John. So she can't tell us apart either. Uh. She cannot. <laughs> and I'll say, I'm Larry. No, you're John. <laughs> so I um, and that, don't you forget uh, it? Oh yeah, well that a few things, a few things more to her that I won't tell you about. Yes, <laughs> we now understand your identity <laughs> crisis. Yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> we have Carla. Carla, hello, Carla. It's Carla Hayes from McMurray, Pennsylvania. I'll never get that wrong anymore, Carla. Can you hear me? Yeah, we, we can. can. We can. Um, you know, this is a very fascinating um, topic. Um, I have to admit, as odd as I am and as amazed with the, uh, and I'm, I, I use AD, Lady A like everybody else, I am sort of scared um, because I think that the lines are being blurred between a human and the machine so much. And um, there are times that I think that we're playing God. Um, and, and I wonder about what is going to happen to our mind. You know, a muscle that is not used eventually sort of it, it deteriorates. Uh, if you don't exercise, your muscles get limp and all of that. And even with the brain, the brain's a muscle. And I think about, okay, so I I will not allow my phone to look up numbers for me. I remember the numbers because, yep. you know, I, for that very reason, if you don't use it. And, you know, as a teacher, every day I'm wondering because what's going to happen. Now students don't know how to use the computer between their two ears. And um, I'm always fighting with them about, I teach foreign languages, you know, I forbid Google Translate and electronic translators in my classroom, but I can see when they're being used. I can tell. I can sniff one of those things out like you couldn't believe, and I make them take it back and do it over. And, you know, I just I just have a little bit of reservations about some of this. So One of the things I'd mentioned earlier is that the whole AI being able to generate uh, things by 
combining all kinds of things that are already existing on the internet, making it look as if you wrote it. The reverse is also true. Teachers can use that same IA, AI, pardon me, to grade a paper. So, you know, it's what's good for the goose is good for the gander or something along those lines. It's, it's a very, very difficult thing to deal with. I, I have to say, though, that uh, I can hear the voices of my ancestors who were out there destroying mechanisms because they said that it was putting real humans out of work by yep. having oh, absolutely you know the whole the whole Luddites. <clears throat> you got it um Luddites, so, exactly so carla it, are there any advantages to the the computer revolution in terms of language teaching well i i don't know i i guess that there are in some ways you can um for one thing they you know with virtual reality you could um take a trip to paris and you don't have to get on a plane all of a sudden you get plopped into paris yep, yep. you have to survive you have to speak french and you know things like that so that's i guess cool. there are things like that but but i i don't know i still wonder what this is going to do to education and to mm -hmm. learning and to ethics i mean the ethics of this whole thing you know yeah. being a human being it's scary it it really is scary and i'm one of these people that i will not use the artificial uh, checkout the the automated checkout right. things like that and i still do use 411 and i would be very disappointed if it went away there are times i just don't want to turn on a computer and look up something you know what i mean i just want to talk to a human being and I don't know. I just, so, uh, the hymns, Braille note takers, particularly the most recent ones, <clears throat> now come with built-in French to English and French and and Spanish to English and Italian to English dictionaries, um, yes. which is which is interesting um, because we we as blind people certainly have not had access to those before. No, and I like that. I, I really do, but. Um, if you're a beginning language uh, student, and okay, it's okay if you need to look up a few words here and there, but if you put something like a, an electronic translator sure. in the hands of a beginner, it's not going to work out. And one, I oh, do teach sure, my advanced students how to use electronic translators uh, judiciously, and mm -hmm. you have to be advanced to be able to to do that. But um, and as a technical translator, and I, I do work, I do mm -hmm. translation. Okay, sometimes mm -hmm. you you know you you can't you can't really depend on these things you can see the fallacy as a translator i've had a lot of right. fun playing with them and having them come mm -hmm. up with outrageous things um yep. but they it, the beginner isn't going to be able to tell that they're coming mm -hmm. up with outrageous things yep so. carla thanks for sharing with us about language we appreciate it well thank you very much for having thank this you. this is a fascinating uh -huh. topic and have a happy new year thank you very much thank you we have Ms. Larry, Larry, Larry Johnson, Mr. Johnson, sir.
Fascinating <laughs> subject. Thank you guys for bringing this forward. I have two quick comments. First of all, uh, regarding facial recognition, they are using it extensively in China. In fact, they are using it yes. to really almost become a uh, 1984 version of uh, nope. 2023 as a police state so they can yeah. track everybody and it is scary as hell oh and they they use it as well to identify covid people who are out of quarantine and yes. arrested them and threw them in jail right right the other comment <clears throat> you were going to bring up some of the issues of why ai is maybe yes. not such a good idea Yes. Well, I have two words for you. I think it is going to make us lazier than we already are. And it is also going to make us more illiterate. And this is particularly true and dangerous for blind people. Because, you know, we have long proclaimed that Braille is our only hope for literacy, to know how words are spelled and how things are punctuated. Well, we won't need Braille anymore. We won't need to read, uh, write anything. We can just talk it. And well, they so, said we didn't said we didn't need it in 1980 when the first talking computers came out. Yeah, I know, but this is going to be so easy that we won't have to write. Uh, yep. You know, I, I I can do my column without having to touch my keyboard. I can. Yeah. Uh, I I can read anything that I want to read. I can read the Braille forum. Yep. I can read you, anything. Yep. So you, so where's my literacy going to end up? Well, uh, so Larry, you're talking to Paul Edwards here, who had uh -huh. major debates with me on the definition yep. of literacy. And we still might do that program, and Larry should be in, involved in that <laughs> um, because they're. There are some fascinating issues surrounding the way that literacy gets defined and the way that it gets used. Um, uh, it's interesting. We should do it, Brian. We really should. We should. We should. Because yep. I, I always defined literacy as simply the ability to read your own writing. If you can't read your own writing, you are not on any scale a literate person. The writing could be, you know, Braille or print, uh, but it's certainly and, not. Uh, yeah, but Brian, I don't have to write computer. anything anymore. Right. One of, that's the, not, that's, that's one of the responses, point, I agree. One of the responses that I made to Brian is so uh, a kid with type 1 diabetes who wants to graduate from high school um, wouldn't be literate by your definition and therefore wouldn't be allowed to graduate. And in fact, there are laws in virtually all of the states that essentially say that, that you are not allowed to take reading tests using a talking computer. You either have to do them in Braille or in large print. And if you can't do either, you can't graduate from high school. So... Can we define literacy in such a way as to exclude those folks from graduating? And my answer, as the director of access services um, in, in, in a community college, is absolutely not. And, and we're not going to play those games with kids doing two-year degrees either 
in terms of measuring whether they pass prep reading courses that way. So it, w- it was an ongoing fight, but it's certainly a valid debate. And what about the person who maybe has very imperfect motor skills and they're not really able to write at all, but they still pot, quite possibly could read? So and, and sure. Certainly, yeah, these, certainly, these are the issues. <laughs> certainly could <laughs> dictate absolutely are. And, and, and get understood. Larry, thank you very much for your call. We'll, we'll get to the bad things almost immediately. We're going to take two more quick hands, and then we'll get there. We have Kate. Yep. Hello, Kate. Okay. Hi. There she is. Kate from California. Hi, Kate. And mm-hmm. I love this topic. In 1986, when I got my master's in computer science, nice. my... Um, my student uh, project, you know, it wasn't a doctor's program, but as a student project was on artific- was an artificial intelligence system that I created. And uh, I thought it was very interesting because my bachelor's was in civil engineering, and I was nice. able to I was able to uh, merge my two loves because we could at that point uh, artificial intelligence didn't just require a computer person to actually create the system but they required what they call a specialist or a or a uh, professional whose knowledge was being put into the database and so there's a lot of people out there that have all sorts of learning that can be now you know uh the ai specialist can go in and ask him certain questions and they can put in the database his knowledge yes which which, uh which thrilled me as a civil engineer in the 80s because i could see that a lot of a lot of uh, engineering calculations and et cetera could easily be translated using computers anyway yep I have a I have I have a story about the, the changing times and how we are going to be different from now on. Go for it, Ms. When Kate. my when my when my when my fifteen year old daughter decided she would go for her learner's permit to learn how to drive, I put her down and I handed her a Thomas guide and I said, This way is north. This way is south, east and west. And she looked at me and she said, I'm not going to learn where north is. And I'm like, what? I said, well, you need to know this freeway, that freeway. No. She says, I, I, will, I, have, I have my phone with me. I have GPS. And I promise you, Mom, I couldn't care less where north is. I have other things to do with my life. And this girl goes everywhere. She now lives in North Carolina. <laughs> graduated with her master's from Chapel Hill. She flies. She is married. She owns a home. She is absolutely fascinating, and she still doesn't know where North is. And she didn't. She wouldn't touch the Thomas Guide. I said, this is, this is really important. She said, Mom, it's in my phone. And so I think yep. that, you know, as, as teachers, we, we have these things that for us are so important won't be long that people are not going to care 
how to create a vacuum tube or yep. make soap, you know, out, out of out of ashes and pig fat. Yep. Or the proper way to slaughter a pig. You know, and it's hard on us old people because we see all these things that were essential learning are now um, completely irrelevant to the lives of our, our children and grandchildren because they're right. they're already automated by the machines. Right. <clears throat> and one of the bad things, and we'll come to a bunch more, but one of the bad things is it seems to me that the further we get away from an ability to do things manually and relying on machines, um, the more the more likely we are to be unable to cope once machines go away. Which they could. That is that is right, but the concept is that um, as long as as long as we will as long as we will store the knowledge you see the most important thing is to store that knowledge and to keep it keep it there forever so how do we store the knowledge and the databases and and disseminate the knowledge and uh, okay i i i'm going to i'm going to back out because i'm embarrassed (laughs) thank you miss kate appreciate you for calling (laughs) yep miss varian let's take a couple more yep Real fast. Nikki, um, she Nikki. had her hand raised and I accidentally lowered it, but you still can speak, Nikki. You can speak. Thank you very much. Sure. Um, Bill Gates said some time ago that by 2030, okay. artificial intelligence <laughs> would have. Can you hear me? Get her. Yes. Get her. Yep. You're oh, okay. good. Uh, that artificial intelligence will have taken over. And when I read the blurb about this program today, it made me think about I was scammed by Apple. Um, by a scammer, they used my Apple support number to call me and scam me. So with these voices of pretending to be other people, uh, what's to stop somebody from using your your brother or your sister or your mother or your father or your child's voice to call you and say, I'm in trouble, send me some money or, you know, to scam you in some other way? I think that that could be extremely dangerous. And I'm wondering also about this emulating the, na- the the voice of a dead person, does that mean that you could carry on a conversation with them? Because it, through the artificial intelligence, I mean, it's really scary. But the other thing the, you're the, talking about yep. is not is not remembering things. And the brain, the brain changes. Like when Mike May had his accident when he was three years old and he was blinded in one eye. Yep. Well, both basically. But when he got his sight back in one eye, the neurons that would have developed death perception between the ages of three and seven went somewhere else because they weren't needed because he couldn't see. So he could not get his depth perception back. And I think the same thing is happening when we do, when they say, if you don't use it, you lose it. Um, I, I, I have difficulty with phone numbers. If I have to think of a phone number and somebody gives me a phone number, um, if I don't mark it somewhere, I won't remember it because I'm so used to using my phone and boom, hit the, hit the dial and, and it dials automatically. So I think we have to be really careful about these things, but it is scary as to how the scammers are going to be able to use this to scam people, whether they're sighted or blind. So thank you very much. That's it for me. You're, you're very welcome. I think we've already, we've already seen lots of evidence that there are scammers out there um, and, and who are taking advantage of the most vulnerable people in our community. There are calls that come into our houses every day 
from people who know enough information about us to be dangerous and often to convince us that they really know who we are and that they're really calling from the place that they say they are. Um, and so we end up giving them enough information so that they can then do real damage um, so that it's already happening. And I think it's going to become easier uh, for, for more complex scams to happen. So I think it's important for all of us to recognize that anytime we hear something, we need, we need to have some ways built in that we can double check. And I, I would say that one of the things that we're getting to the point that we need to do, and Brian, I'll let you comment before we open it up to somebody else. I think we need some code words among family members that are out there, um, at least down the road, so that, so that people will have to tell us things that only they will know. I agree with you entirely. Again, yes, I did that. I did that not... with my granddaughter when she got a cell phone when she was nine, 10 years old. And she nice. was able to yeah. take it to school. We had yep. a code word. Yeah. And that was, um, um, well, let's see. Now she's 20. But um, yeah, that, that's very, very important. Yep. Thank you. I'm going to meet my yep. again now. Thank you. <clears throat> yep. No problem. Very good. We are not going to be able to put this genie back in the bottle. No. So we have to learn uh, as a society um, how to, if you will, manage the uh, spillover of its effects on us as human beings and as societies and as individuals as well. So this concept of a family word that only yep. family would know. Would, you know, when I send my social security number or something to some entity, I send it in multiple um, emails so somebody can't scoop one email and have that kind of information. Never, never, never do I send passwords in an email. <clears throat> Use them to log in, yes, but not send them by email anywhere. So, you know, it's to some degree, it's buyer beware. Uh, and we need to teach that skill to people. Yeah, I except that one of the things that the new AI systems are saying is that within three to five years, they expect to have created other systems that will render passwords both unnecessary and irrelevant. Yes, but I just was using, and I think that that's a good thing, to be honest with you. Yes, um, I, I agree, well, but I, I, I'm, I'm making the point, though, the moment we train people, the moment we train people to do the right thing with the current system, the current system goes away. Yes, I you know I mentioned earlier this concept of uh, of uh, rapidity of change, and that's that's precisely what that's all about. The yes. other thing I would suggest is that um, while we talk about a quote classical education, whether that's K through twelve or or college education, uh, there's nothing classical about it. Uh, in the old days, people didn't need to learn how to drive. They now do. In the old days, people didn't need to learn about banking, but they do, et cetera, et cetera. So we need to build some, let me use the word literacy again, literacy in certain things, including how to interact 
via uh, an electronic fashion uh, to do it in a way that is safe for us uh, and also, quite honestly, to stop blaming others for our problems <laughs> and yep. wanting them to fix it, but to do yep. a significant part of that commitment ourselves. Do we have any other hands up? Oh, yeah. We have Donna. Oh, yeah. Hey, Donna. We're probably going to do another show on, on the bad stuff, Brian. I think we're going to need to. I think no, we so. We have hey, sprinkled it with bad stuff. We have. Brian. We have. But hey, but, Paul and Brian. Hey, Donna. Go. How are you, Miss Brown? Hey, guys. First thing I want to say to Brian, so I'm quite literate, uh, but I cannot read my own writing because I can't see it very well. I can write it. Because so how, I know do you, how do you write information that you need to retrieve? What do you do to access uh, Well, then I do it other ways, but I have to write stuff at work so um, I can see where I'm writing it. Um, but I go by how it feels when I'm writing it. And I barely stay in yep. the line sometimes, but I, no. I can see that where it's going. I can read it a little bit, but I have always had trouble with my reading my own writing all my life. Yeah, um, yeah. I just can't see it. <clears throat> but um, you can you can write with the computer and read stuff on the screen. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. I do that yeah. too. Absolutely. Sure. Yeah. yeah. But I just had to say that, my, but with my own handwriting, no. I. Well, I, I think that's a good gotcha. point. I have yep. My doctor says that. that my signature is better than his, so I get you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but but that's not saying much. so the other thing um (coughs) at work they've programmed um our phone with certain numbers that we would have to call well i don't use those programs and they kept saying to me why don't you just push the button and i said well first i'm having a hard time finding it you know because it's it's on the screen on the phone the screen's Mm -hmm. too small for me to see it Mm-hmm. I said, so it's just a lot more convenient for me just to dial it, and I dial it faster than y'all do. I did a test with them one day, and I could mm-hmm. I could get it dialed before, you know. In fact, they would answer my call before theirs. That's, that's pretty cool. I, could, I couldn't do that with an iPhone. No. Uh, I, no way that I could. So yeah. congratulations, Miss Donna. You're, you're a better man than I. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I, I told him, my sister, that's crazy. I said, I want to re- remember numbers. I want to use my brain. I said, yep. uh, you know, when do you tell on using your brain? I said, that's nuts. I said, mm-hmm. yes, we have to use our brain for other things in our job, but don't throw away yep. the stuff that you can. So yeah, I, I, I think AI is great for some things, but it's sad they're not teaching children writing in school anymore. And yep. a lot of a lot of things, and you know, right. it's, it's it's truly sad. Um, it just makes me wonder what it's going to be like. Uh, you know, it, it it'll be gone. intriguing fifty years from now. Yeah, it, sure it would will, be Ms. Donna. very interesting to come back and find out. Yeah, yep. But uh, Miss Donna, but yeah. thanks for your call, dear one. Yes, you guys take care. Have a great Appreciate evening. And thank thank you, you for this conversation. Yep, Miss Marianne. Area code eight zero five. 805. 703 are the last three digits. 
703. Going once. They are they can unmute. Yep. All right. Let's go on to the next. Um, Terry Pacheco. Miss Terry. Good evening, gentlemen. Hey there. I think this is a fascinating conversation. Um, I do want to bring up a couple of the negatives. Um, go for it. The first one is I think we all need to go back and listen to a few old Pete Seeger songs or something. <laughs> because one of the things that really does, I do think that's of real concern, especially to the blindness and blind and low vision communities, is so much of this is going to. Is, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. We did. So much of this is like back in the days, the early days of automation. We are going to lose so many jobs that are currently and have potential in the future to be held by people who are blind or have low vision, especially in customer service, in those types of areas. Um, and I think that's something that we need to take a little bit more responsibility toward and look at a little bit more seriously on it. I really think that that's a major, you know, that's not everyone is an IT expert or right. an AI expert. Right. Um, and I think that that's, I think so much of this has the potential to so increase our unemployment numbers. And that I think is um, something that we need to look at very seriously. And I think we have to, one of the things that we'll do when we talk about the, the downsides is to talk about any steps that we can take to change that. I'm not sure there are a lot of them. Um, and, you know, there are, there are certainly a lot of scenarios that have been, that have been forecast by folks that, that actually talk about the vast majority of the population, not just the blind population but the vast majority of the population period um, being unemployed. And, and we'll, we'll have to see whether that pans out. But 3% unemployment may be the best we'll ever see. <laughs> we ever saw 3% unemployment among the blind. Oh, no. In good shape. <laughs> we would. But, 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 but I think the 3% unemployment rate for everybody else is going to go by the boards pretty soon. Um, and we'll see how that pans out. But, and, and, and we'll see, you know, we will, we will look at some of those statistics, but most of the forecasts that I've seen, and I don't know if you've seen any that are different, Brian, suggest that, that the long-term future for a whole range of jobs is pretty atrocious and there are going to be an awful lot fewer jobs, period, in the workforce um, 20 or 30 years down the road. And so you know, when we talk about what happened when farming became industrialized, there were a lot of people who could work in farming who couldn't find work in farming anymore. So they yes. migrated to cities where they could work manufacturing jobs. Right. But when the manufacturing jobs went away we have the rust belt right yes. where there's these massive factories that are not doing anything anymore and huge unemployment rates in the communities associated with those kinds of industries mm -hmm. there wasn't a place for those workers to find other work 
that was of equal uh, economic value to them. You know, a, a good union worker in a factory job at Ford Motors made a darn good wage. Yep. But when that job was eliminated, that person didn't have a skill set that they could just move over to something else. Hopefully, we will come up with some solutions, Paul. I couldn't agree with you more. It's not a blind problem, though right. ours is always, you know, two or three times greater than uh, sure from, from the same situation. But it is a huge problem uh, for us to have to deal with as a society, as for that matter, as humanity. Yes. Yep. Yes. So thank, right. Terry, thank you, Terry. And the other, and the other, and the other issue that I also wanted to bring up is we were talking so much about um, the elderly, especially five and ten years from now. I think the other thing we need to remember is that the older the older people, five, ten, fifteen years from now, are the people who have brought us into are going to be, I believe, much more capable than the 85-year-old of today, the 85-year-old of 15 years from now are the people who created the internet and who have created so much of this and who have spent their lives living with computers. And I, I think we're going to have le uh, somewhat less issues at that time than I, we do I, now. Terry, I, I would love to believe that, um, but a lot of the evidence that's emerging suggests that it isn't the case. Um, I, I, and, I and I'm not sure, and I'm not sure what the reason is. Um, but what appears to be happening is, is that as people lose some capacities as they get older, and it's not just um, it's not just Alzheimer's or anything like that, but as they use, as they lose capacities, uh, they also lose confidence, and they become virtually unable to learn new skills. I think that there's some of that, but I think there's also where the real problem lies, especially in our community, is that our rehab needs to be totally updated and some very serious work done and yeah. funding increased for the over 65. Uh, no that's question. What we really need it. That's no, no that's question. That's the real issue. There, you'll get no argument from anybody on this call. I think. <laughs> not at all. I, not at I'm all. not looking Having for an been, argument. <laughs> I, uh, here, here I am in that category, and I, again, you're going to hear world, me say Brian. this over and over again. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. We're talking about a need for valuing lifelong learning. We life are lifelong learning. Yep. Uh, and we don't. We don't. Yeah, it's, yep. You know, it's just that the the sixty five year old of today is mm -hmm. far more computer literate and far more electronic literate than the sixty five year old of ten years ago. Uh, yeah, I, I, they're, they're supposed <laughs> to be. I, I, I think I, we're. Gonna I firmly have to... believe they are. If they yep. weren't, if they weren't, we wouldn't be holding ten thousand plus community calls on the AC, on the ACB media. I mean, on ACB community. Good point. Good point. Perhaps. Have a great night, guys. And okay, thank you. Thank you. Thanks night. for your call, Terry. Later. Take care. Bye-bye. Yep. Miss Marion? You are finally out of hands. I don't think so. Uh, DJ, I guess, is he put, lowered put his, put hand down his hand. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, DJ? it's back up. 
Let's let's do it. One second. He's my he's my okay, Jacksonville guy. Go. Hey DJ. Oh DJ. Mm-hmm. Nope. He can unmute, DJ. He can unmute. Ah well. Sometimes. We will go Sometimes we will go I- on. So I'm not going to try to to even come close to listing all of the components. And next week, we're going to be doing uh, a program that will talk about awards. So we won't be doing this uh, next week. But I'd like all of our listeners to do some thinking themselves on what some of the downsides of some of what's going on now with technology are. Um, and to yep. be prepared to offer some solutions. Exactly. To those problems. Yeah, because, I mean, that's, that's the most important component because right now we are, we are certainly in a place where um, we appear to be riding roughshod towards, um, towards a much greater dependence on artificial intelligence. And, and there doesn't seem to be anything that's slowing that movement down and there doesn't seem to be a lot of discussion about what some of the components um, are, are likely to be down the road. Um, and so when we start talking about some of those elements, um, I think it will be important for us to talk about solutions. And, and, and by the way, let me be clear, and I think Brian will agree with me, a solution is not to simply say you can't do it. Um, because unfortunately... What we don't do in this country, other people will do in other countries, and that will render our economy and, and, and our capacity to sell in the world gone. There's so no it, question that right. this, like I said, is a genie you cannot put back in the bottle any more than you could put the Industrial Revolution back in the bottle, or for that correct. matter, the Computer Revolution back in the bottle. AI is here. It was truly inevitable that it would arrive. It's just a matter of when it would arrive. And now how we learn to work uh, with it. We we have some time. I think he's unmuted. DJ, go for it. Hi, guys. Um, There he is. And just as as getting old and... um, you know, and with all the new technology and not necessarily remembering numbers and worrying about my memory because I can't remember things, not considering the fact that I don't have to look up numbers and such. What I found um, that really helps is periodically I will memorize a number. Maybe it's a password. Maybe it's a credit card number or something. Maybe I'll work on it for a week. So that I, it's a good challenge for my brain because so much that I've been reading is how the plasticity of our brains as we've gotten older. And, um, you know, we have a good opportunity to, to maintain things in, in response to um, the artificial intelligence. The thing that worries me is the speed of the change and being able to keep up, or like the people in Africa, what they would learn from some of our experiences they won't have. 
So it isn't totally foolproof, but um, oh. I think it's definitely, there's a lot of possibilities. I'm losing some hearing, so I went back and start using more Braille, you know, yep. And, yep. and different things like that. But we can do it. Yep. DJ, right. where are you, you from? Southern you California. From? Excellent. About, welcome. About welcome four to the program. miles from Larry Gassman. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah. Well, yeah. welcome well, to the we program. We can't hold that again. Glad you sure. called in. I know. Thanks for yeah, thank you. Thanks for taking I don't my think side, he's Brian. Contagious. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I've, I've had my shots. Cantankerous, but not contagious. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Good. Yeah. Good. There you go. All right. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, DJ. Brian, a few final comments on 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 the pluses and perhaps um, and 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 perhaps looking forward to the minuses. One is keep in mind that AI can provide a wonderful opportunity to access assistance as a blind person without relying on a person for that assistance. So there's a potential of dramatically more privacy, more availability 24-7, and uh, again, access to information is power. And this will give us even more access to that information. One of the ironic situations, I think, is that because it's waited so long and, and, and not made some of the changes that, that it perhaps could have made earlier, um, it is perfectly possible, at least in, in my mind, uh, that IRA will in fact be superseded by AI and will go away because there's no longer a market for it. Maybe not go away, but definitely morph dramatically yes. yep. into a primarily AI interaction. Yep. Yep. I think so. Um, so I, I think, <coughs> excuse me, two or three pluses that I would talk about in, in terms of today is that we are eventually going to, I think, within the next five to 15 years, have developed a, an interface that people will be comfortable with with computing that will be pri- primarily speech-operated. Um, if, if that happens, then suddenly many of the things that will maximize the ability of blind people to participate equitably utilizing computers will in fact come to be far more prominent than they are now. I think the second thing that we haven't talked about so far tonight that is that is extremely important um, is that I think we are going to get to a situation where there is a connectedness uh, for information um, that's available around the world. So the amount of actual information that's going to be available on the internet um, is going to be huge. And another thing that we haven't talked about, which I think is going to be pretty positive, is we're already talking about the internet of things, but I don't think we have even remotely begun to imagine some of the changes that will be occurring with them. I think we're going to find that we will automatically have devices that are placing orders for products that they know we need. 
I think we will. We already we already have some examples of that. Um, virtually any new fridge that's that's above um, an absolute bottom level has software built into it um, that will tell you what what it thinks you need um, and will automatically add it to your shopping list, which of course you can access from your A lady or your Google Assistant. And take with you on your phone um, to the grocery store, even though you haven't written a single one of the elements that you actually want on that shopping list. So, we're it, uh, so much is being changed that actually makes all of those things far more easy and more accessible for people who are blind. And I think it's important to recognize that one of the things we can't do is to is to even consider throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Because we have too much to gain for us to be concerned about some of the losses. Those losses, and it's the last thing I'm going to say, um, are likely, it seems to me anyway, to affect the whole society rather than blind people primarily. I think there are some disadvantages to blind people. We'll talk about those when we do our next show. But for now, I think the important thing to recognize is that is that um, blind people have an immense amount to gain, but we have to focus um, the folks who are developing this AI about the absolute necessity of including us and not leaving us behind. If we develop systems um, that, that are not accessible, and some of them are already out there, um, we're putting ourselves behind the eight ball and making it harder and harder for us to be included in an AI-dominated society. Now, have I said stuff that makes you want to say something else, Brian? No. I, I, again, I don't doubt that there's a downside from a blindness yep. perspective, a downside sure. from a human perspective. But I think, as with almost everything else that's happened uh, over the centuries, that uh, we will be better off generally next year, next decade, mm -hmm. next century than we are today. I, I couldn't go to sleep at night if I didn't feel that way. Oh. All right. Marianne or um, Larry, do you guys have final thoughts? My thoughts are too many. If I couldn't, I've been like, my thoughts have been rattling around. I think that we are going to be better off. I think my concern is what you just said, Paul, about um, developers leaving the blindness community behind. That's a little bit scary to me. Um, but I, when I, I, as I'm listening to all of you talk, I'm thinking about all the applications um, of AI that would benefit my life even right this second. Yep. Um, so I think it's more positive than negative. And I think just one more thing, I think that in terms of us getting lazy, I think there's it could be an element of that. But I think what's going to happen is that we're just going to be using different skills. Um, mm -hmm. We're going to be differently abled than than now. So I, I think that it's going to take some um, learning and it's going to take using um our, our brains. It's just going to be different parts of our brain. So I'm not as concerned with that as, as I might have been. Yep. 
Um, Larry or Rick, can you do something in 20 seconds? Quickly. <laughs> Sorry. Quick. My biggest fear, and perhaps it's because I, I read science fiction, is that others with their own personal agendas will get right. involved. That's yes. the yep. thing that scares me. It is it's terrifying. I, th- I think it is. And, and we'll talk some about that uh, next week, in the, in, two weeks from now. In the meantime, next week, we're going to hear about all of the ACB awards and, and how you can become involved. And we're actually going to talk a little bit about how you can make your award nominations better. In the meantime, thanks for being with us and good night.